0: Leading a school in the middle of an education revolution, I draw upon the wisdom of experts and educational visionaries to identify future realities and gain direction from where we are to where we need to be. Please join me as we identify our final destination and map out a path through the uncharted. Thank you for joining me on Asking for Directions. I am your host, Matt Owsley. Our guest today has held nearly every role in a school building, from kindergarten teacher to counselor... Principal to Superintendent. He is currently the Superintendent of Fall Creek School District in Fall Creek, Wisconsin. He has been selected as both a future ready superintendent and a personalized learning leader by the U.S. Department of Education. Education Dive named him a K 12 administrator to watch and the National Superintendent of the Year. He is an author of multiple books, including a very popular book, Hacking Leadership. He is an inspirational speaker and a true force on social media. I am very excited to welcome Dr. Joe Sanfilippo.
1: Hey, how you doing, Matt? Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it.
0: I'll tell you, I've done a number of podcasts, um, had some great guests, but I'm really excited about this one. So thank oh, you so good. much well, for thanks. Time. Uh, honored to be here and humbled uh, humbled to have you say that. So let's get this thing rolling. Okay. Sounds good. So you've had a huge presence on social media and I followed you. I've shared a lot of your stuff. The amount of things that you share, give us a good glimpse into who you are as a person and as a leader but uh, there was a journey that you took to becoming the person that you currently are and the leader you currently are. Thinking about that journey, can you tell me about a moment or an experience you had that changed you as a leader or, or your practice?
1: I don't know if there was one moment that did it, but there was definitely a collective failure moment. You know, I mean, I think there's, I've failed a lot and I think I've made a lot of mistakes over time. And I'm, what I'm trying to do is just try to help people through some of the mistakes that that I made, so they don't make them, because some of those things just really stink. You know, like trying to go too fast with initiatives, or believing that you're part of the uh, of the group by not really, but not really being part of the group because you don't invest the time and in it being intentional about what that looks like. And so for me, it was I don't know if there was like the one true moment that says, oh my gosh, I need to do things differently. But I think there's just been this collective um, thought that, you know, when I screw up, it's okay, but I want to make sure that other people have the
0: opportunity to not be in that same situation. You've held a bunch of different roles, like I said a little bit ago about kindergarten teacher. I'm going to just list them because like and this might take the rest of the podcast time I have if I list all these, but <laughs> could be, Kinder- could be. <laughs> kindergarten teacher, second grade teacher, fifth grade teacher, school counselor, coach, principal. Got to add parent in there. Um, out of all of those positions that you've had prior to becoming a superintendent, which job do you believe prepared you most for your current position?
1: Oh man, though that's a great question. Um, I would, jeez, oh, I think probably being a parent obviously was the, for me, like the most impactful because it changed the way that I looked at kids and looked at situations. But uh, in terms of job responsibility, um, I, I, like when I started uh, counseling, when I was after I, I taught kindergarten, second grade and fifth grade, then I was a counselor for a while. And that was really the opportunity I think that took me to, try, you know, trying to provide opportunities for more people. And I think when I saw that, when we talked about things a little bit differently, then um, we saw people moving forward faster. And when we saw people moving forward faster, it just kind of was like that, this really addictive sense of, oh my gosh, I want to do this again. I want to do this again. I want to help people to do this again and really empower them to do the work that they're doing. So that kind of spurred the idea that I wanted to jump into a principal position, but more. Because I was just trying to find ways to uh, empower more people to do things at a higher level. And so that was just kind of the progression to get there. So I I don't know if it was one position. Being a parent changed my perspective without question. But the uh, counselor role, which turned into then the principal position, probably uh, allowed me the opportunity to say, my goodness, we can help people make them feel like they're making a difference for everybody. And that changes the conversation.
0: And that feeds right into a lot of the things that you have said in uh, on different uh, social media posts or videos or um, in different things that you've put out there about the importance of relationships and building people and making sure that they feel valued. And so I'm curious because I get to see a lot of this stuff online in like your one minute uh, walk to work videos that you make, Mm -hmm. like that's about my attention span. So let me just tell you, I appreciate the (laughs) one. I appreciate that. Um, the things that you say really make sense to me. Um, but I always like wish that I was there. I I know that you have talked about that people have like started calling and saying, can I come and visit? And because people are curious, like, what does it actually look like? And so when, when it comes to the, the building people, um, component that you talk about. Is there like something that you do that you believe is the most essential thing that you or your principals do to, uh, to show people that they're valued?
1: Well, I think the first thing that we do is listen, you know, I mean, we don't know everything. And if we're going to really be in this spot where we feel like we know everything, then we're going to get you know, like trampled, you know, or everybody's going to run past us. And we don't want, you know, part of the reason that we talk in, in hacking leadership about leading from the middle is that what, that's what we want to do. You want to lead from the middle and allow people to really connect their ideas to move in the group forward, as opposed to you out in front saying this is how it should be. So. We've, we've done a lot of just real, you know, been really active in terms of listening and saying like, what, what can we do to help you? One of the things that we provide with or we talk to our staff about a lot is how do we do three? We, we always do things in three. I mean, the, everything that we do, seems to be in three. We talk about when we want to move initiatives forward, we give people time, resource, and opportunity to do that. So those three, we also talk about how do we make sure that we recognize, acknowledge, and extend the great work that's happening in these spaces. So the one thing that I think that we've changed the conversation is that recognize, acknowledge, extend process and momentum. And that's essentially, you know, we, we walk down hallways differently. We walk down hallways with our eyes up and knowing and understanding that there's greatness happening all around us. Because a lot of times I think what people do is they put their head down, they try to get to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, or they're walking from, their room, to the lounge, to the bathroom, back to their room, and they're just trying to get to the next place as opposed to, you know, walking with your eyes up and and recognizing the great work that's happening around you. So when you do that and you recognize the great work that your colleagues are doing, the next step of that process is actually to acknowledge to your colleague that the colleague is doing great work. So now you've recognized it by walking through the hallways and opening, you know, making sure you're in the right mindset to do that, acknowledge it to that person that's doing the great work, And then finally, make sure that you extend the conversation to somebody who wasn't there. So now you walk away from that, that greatness that you see in your colleague and you extend the conversation and tell somebody that wasn't there that there's great work happening across the hall or down the hallway or on the other side of the building. Then inevitably what happens is the person that you talk to to tell them about the great things that were happening across the hall or down the hall or somewhere else in the building, eventually that person will go and seek out the person who's doing great things because... Somebody did it for them at some point. And if you build a culture where everybody's story has value, you have a much better opportunity for not only the story of the school, of, of the classroom to be shared, but the story of the school to be shared because people are willing to talk about their story.
0: Is there something you've done to try to build that, like any activities or anything that you believe have, uh, have opened up that conversation, collaboration more so than others?
1: Um, I think part of it is just providing them, like I said, time, resource, and opportunity to connect with each other. So I think the biggest thing that's changed the conversation about what we do here is how we implemented those passion projects for adults. So essentially, what happens there is our staff gets a chance to pick anything that they want to learn about throughout the course of the year. Anything. It can be anything that's going to impact their instructional practice. It doesn't matter if it's uh, mindfulness. If it's yoga, if it's do- making documentaries, or starting businesses with kids, I don't care what it is, but something that they're passionate about. And We start with by by saying, when you go home, and you sit on the couch, and you look at your phone, in terms of what you want to you know look for online, what things spark your interest? What things make you think if I had time, I would do that? So we give them time to do that. So they pick something that they're passionate about, and then throughout the course of the year, we have three days that are dedicated. Uh, work days or passion project days we call them where the only agenda item is lunch and I think the other the other parts of the day are spent with teachers just diving into their professional you know passion project and we tell them that the only way to do passion project days wrong is to grade papers organize your classroom or plan for next week and not that there's anything wrong with those three things but those three things aren't making you any better they're helping you to maintain right organizing your classroom doesn't make you a better teacher it gives you some a sense of calm maybe to make sure that you're ready for next week planning doesn't make you a better teacher because it, i mean it, it prepares for the following week and, and checks a box but i don't know if it it makes you a better teacher necessarily what we want to do is spend those days just getting better, if that's researching stuff online, if that's having conversations about practice, if that's building something, if that's making a video, if that whatever the case may be, whatever it is, it's trying to make you better in terms of the work that you do. So, you know, and, that, and we just tell people those are the only ways to do them wrong. There's a lot of ways to do it right. Now, are there people in Fall Creek, Wisconsin that during the Passion Project days you know, organize their classroom grade papers are planned for the next week. Yeah, probably. Absolutely. But at the same time, we're not going to walk around the halls and make decisions on people that aren't willing to get better. And so what ends up happening is they police themselves on this because their colleagues know that if they're not doing the work that we're asking them to do, then those days are going to go away. And You know, they don't want them to go away. So we don't have to say anything. We don't walk around and check in classrooms or anything like that to see what they're doing. We trust them. You're paying these people tens of thousands of dollars a year to inspire kids for goodness sakes. When you give them time on a day to get better, trust them to get better.
0: That's one of the only times I've heard somebody in uh, in educational leadership not talk about the importance of accountability and holding people do something. So um, it's it's kind of <laughs> well, nice you to know hear what that.
1: you tra- well then don't hire them. Like seriously, right, right. if you feel like you have to put your thumb on these people to get to so they get better, then then you got to think about why they're there. You know, we and, and I think and we've had these conversations with people about is it the best fit? Is it the best fit? And we have to do a good job administratively of saying, well, you know, you're, you may not be a fit here or, or we need to improve practice or, or we're going to have to have a, a deeper conversation. I mean, that happens in a lot of places, but we don't make decisions on the outliers in that regard. We also don't make decisions on the other side of the outliers, the people that are just, why goodness, like through, you know, going through the roof and running at a thousand miles an hour, they can be intimidating as well. So where is your staff in terms of movement? And we feel like everybody's A to B is different. And the most important thing is for you to move. If we, I don't care if it's one foot, two feet, 10 feet, 10, a mile, two miles. You're moving forward. You're moving forward at your pace because we trust you in this position that we're paying you tens of thousands of dollars a year for to get better. Because if the only people in your school that are learning are ages four to 18, then you're clearly doing it wrong. So how are we making sure that we give everybody the opportunity to learn? Because otherwise it turns into day one looks like they do day three. And then by day 45, they're like, oh, my gosh, I am so tired because I've been doing the same thing for 45 days.
0: I love that. You know, we talk about personalized learning with all of our kids. And it sounds like that you're really doing that and pushing that forward with your teachers, too.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think here's the really interesting thing about that, Matt, for me is that we talk about personalized learning all the time and how, you know, kids should own their learning and so forth and so on. And before we started doing these passion projects, we could say it until we were blue in the face and nobody was doing it. And it's not that they didn't want to do it. It's that they didn't know what it felt like. And when they knew what it felt like, and when they knew what it felt like to own their own learning, how empowering it was to own their own learning, they couldn't help but let students own their own learning. And we take a survey at the end of the year. Um, and in terms of like, is this passion project process making you a better teacher? Do you believe that's empowering you to be a better teacher? That number, we, we always hand out survey. We ask that one question. That number in the six years we've been doing this, that number has never gone below 94% yes, never. Last year, it was 100%. 100% of people in this building felt like the passion project process made them a better teacher, right? So if you do that, if you say that and you get that response, then when students aren't owning their learning, when they're not having an empowering learning experience, you can walk into that teacher's room and say, you know, you love the learning process. I know it because I have the data to support that. Kids should have that same opportunity as well.
0: So you talk about relationships and clearly building it with your staff. Just curious when you talk about the importance of relationships. Are there things in your district that you have as uh, as non-negotiables with practice or procedures or structures or anything that everybody does in your campus just just to make sure that that's done right with kids?
1: Um, I don't think we have too many like non-negotiables like you know all all teachers must. I think, you know, if we had one non-negotiable, the answer is like all teachers must have the opportunity to trust each other. (laughs) I don't know what else to say, really. We just want to trust each other. And if you don't provide the opportunity to help them trust each other, then it's on you as the administrator, 100%. Like, don't tell people that they need to trust and not give them the opportunity to trust each other. Almost, well, I say probably three quarters of our passion projects right now are, are collaborative passion projects so people working at different grade levels we have fifth grade uh we have like a fifth grade group that's uh working with a 4k group to have our fifth grade kids connect with our 4k kids we have a high school science teacher whose passion project is connected to the first grade group first grade team, which essentially means our high school science kids are developing science lessons for elementary kids and then going down and teaching classes in the first grade level. So those opportunities are there for people if we're willing to allow them to have conversations about what they could look like.
0: That's awesome. In hearing you speak about all these things, I understand why you do want to share all of that. When you talk about sharing the the things that are going on within the building um, with those outside of the building... I know that you use different platforms. I've heard you talk about that before. Um, and so I'm just curious, which platforms you do you believe are best for sharing the stories and connecting with the community?
1: Uh, the I think it really kind of depends, honestly, in terms of the first thing that you have to do is ask, like be willing to ask, you know, where your people are living. So like we know that from a just logistical standpoint that we know our Our parents live on Facebook and our kids live on Instagram and our alumni live on Twitter. So we want to make sure that we're developing three, you know, developing those platforms as much as we can and having you know, uh, interactions with people when it comes to those platforms. I think a lot of times when people start talking about social media, they forget about the first word, you know, the first word in social media matters being social matters because it's not just about being a bulletin board. It's about interaction. So how are you making sure that you interact with people the best way that you can when it comes to your, um, your community so they they know that you're invested or they know that they can invest in you and just asking them where they live virtually helps that process you know 80 percent of the voting public don't have kids in school so 80 percent of the voting public are making a judgment about you based on what happened to them when they were in school or to their kids when their kids are in school and if you're not invested in them socially then all of a sudden you lay victim to their narrative of all what happened to them 25 years ago so it's our job to make sure that that's a social interaction not just a you know uh, everything's on the website go to the website like that's not people aren't doing that so and we can be upset about that or we can just say that we're going to fix it and so we do and interact with people just a little bit differently in those platforms just make it social because people don't invest you don't you don't invest in things you don't know about like people there's not a lot of people who do blind investments so you want to make sure that you that they know about the work that you're doing because they're going to make a judgment about you and they don't have any idea what you're doing.
0: So this might be a silly question then, if you're spending, like you said, like a substantial amount of time doing all of these, I know that you're really active on that, but my guess is you probably have to have other people that are doing that as well for you.
1: Yeah. So up until last, about a year and a half ago, so for six years, seven years, seven years. So, uh, is that, yeah, six years, I guess. So, so for six years, I posted everything. Uh, for the district. Every, every post came to me and then I posted it out or people would send stuff to me and then I would send it out. And then we actually had them send stuff to the secretaries and then the secretaries posted them out. And then it was just got to be to a point that we were just, we had so many things going on that we ended up contracting with a group to take care of our posts. So right now we email a post to a a group and then they send it out and they have a a manager that sends it out for us. And their, their name is um, social schools for EDU. They are phenomenal, absolutely fantastic. Andrea Gribble and her crew are unreal. They do the analytics, they, they, they post at the right time, they give you feedback, they give you your you know, all your data support. I mean, they give you tools and they have coaching program. They are fantastic. So we, we thought our presence was really, really strong up until a couple of years, about a year and a half ago. And even our presence at a high rate in the last 18 months has absolutely skyrocketed with their help. So I would definitely advocate having a conversation, even if it's not something that you want to do in terms of having them post for you, there's a coaching program that's phenomenal and helps anybody who's in that role to be able to, uh, to post, you know, to, to connect on a different level.
0: Oh, that's cool. I'll have to check that out.
1: Yeah. Social schools
0: for the number four EDUs. Okay. So got it. So, with that social piece, the amount of time that goes into that, my guess is that you and some of your staff and stuff have to be the ones that are on doing that. Is that a challenge keeping up some of those things?
1: Yeah, I think it's just kind of a mindset. You know, I mean, I'll go into a classroom and down a hallway and post something that's happening throughout the course of the day, um, just on, you know, just to kind of connect, um, just to kind of connect. And it just is a part of the mindset, honestly. Like, I, like, it doesn't take It's an additional 30 seconds, 45 seconds to a minute. And, you know, we, we tell people that, the, you know, we impact the narrative every, every 30 seconds, every 30 seconds is an opportunity to build or kill culture, but you know, there's 960 30 second opportunities in an eight hour day. I think you can find three of them to post something. Right.
0: Are there other channels? So, so just a little bit of background that you don't need to know about me, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, you know, I jumped into, uh, Facebook and, um, use that as a platform for my school for quite a while. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm not as good at that. Um, so my 30 seconds, evidently I'm having a hard time finding some of those, but, um, (laughs) you know, but, uh, you know, there, there have been different challenges that I've seen that have come up with and, And this partially could be just me, but, um, you know, one of those things that I ran into on like Facebook was I was being contacted, at all, you know, times of night by, uh, you know, by everybody through Facebook Messenger. And so that was something that I had to try to figure out how do I deal with that. Um, And maybe that's not an issue for a lot of people. But um, are there some different challenges that you see through social media use that, like, maybe you have figured out how to mitigate some of those, those issues?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing is just develop, you know, just understand that, that those things are going to spike at certain times, but they don't take you over you know, it, it happens. And I don't, I rarely get, um, you know, I shouldn't say it out loud because then I'll, of course I'll get a bunch <laughs> of it. but you know, I, I don't really get contacted outside. The thing that, that we, we really try to keep in mind is that the more talking that you do with your community, the more social capital you build, which means when something goes wrong, then all of a sudden that you've built enough social capital to be, you know, to be okay in that mix. And we were, you know, we don't, we just try to post and post and post and be active in those spaces. So when something goes wrong and it has gone wrong, that we were able to kind of combat that with some of the social presence that our social capital that we've built. Um, and I think that, you know, we're just really honestly pretty, pretty okay with people. If, if they want to contact us, we get back to them, but we don't put a timeline on it. Like, you know, it needs to be done within you know seven minutes or something like that. You know, we'll, we'll be very clear about, Uh, making sure that we get back to them, but it may, it may be within a 24 hour window. You just don't know.
0: Right. Gotcha. So if I could jump into kind of change direction a little bit on, uh, on the last few questions that I do have for you. Um, and so, and this really has to do with the fact that, um, like you have been such an inspiration to so many people and people are, are looking at you for kind of direction on how you're leading, your school district forward. And um, as I was doing some research uh, for this podcast, and I didn't have to look far, by the way. I mean, there, there's so much <laughs> stuff with, about you and your school district out there. You know, looking and seeing that Fall Creek School District was named Innovative District 2016, 2017 by the International Center of Leadership and Education the title of my podcast is asking for directions with the idea that I'm talking to educational leaders and uh, innovators and asking about, you know, the destination that we're all working towards and what is the target that we're aiming for and then asking for directions and how we can maybe map the best way to, to that location. And so, um, you know, with with that being said, just like we would with any trip, starting with the final destination, what do you believe the purpose of schooling is, and what are we really preparing kids for?
1: Well, geez, that that'll that'll shake you up a little bit. Holy cow! So, <laughs> I think the. The, the purpose of school is to prepare kids for what they want to do once they exit school. And, and I think whatever that is, it could be four-year institution, two-year institution, could be the workforce, could be military, could be whatever. But at the same time, what we're trying to do is make sure that they're ready for what they what they want to do when they get out of here and and preparing them the best we can for that. And that's hard because it's a moving target all the time. And I understand that. But when you allow kids to own the process in some capacity, then at least they have some knowledge moving out, you know, if that's something that they want to do. Things like maybe we're getting our kids involved in, in youth options or um, you know, connecting with the local tech college or we do a capstone project here where kids can do kind of a passion project of their own. And then and then we call in um, uh, people from the industry um, to listen in on the presentation of that capstone project and give them some feedback if that's something that they want to go into. It could be construction or healthcare or whatever the case may be, but at least they have a better understanding of what they're getting into before they leave school and spend you know tens of thousands of dollars on something that they feel like they don't want to do after a year and a half so our job is whatever their choice is when they get out of here is that they're prepared to go into whatever that is and and i think we hit on a lot of them i think we miss on some and so let's make sure that when we when we're missing we realize why we're missing and what we can do to help those people come through
0: i think that a lot of schools are are trying to hit that mark and like the idea behind trying to prepare kids for what they want to do um, seems to be really popular right now. Um, It's something that I hear all the time. It's something my district right now is doing a lot of personalized learning or or trying to at least work towards that, um, getting better with that as time goes on. But with all of the people that are doing all of the work in that direction, what current practice or focus do educators believe is preparing kids for the future that you believe might actually be distracting us from meeting that purpose.
1: Oh, geez. So I Are think these last when, your, fo- when your focus is on, <laughs> when your focus is on tech and not on, you know, what tech does to help enhance whatever that, you know, amplify whatever it is that you're doing, then you're missing the mark on, on w- what it's supposed to look like. Also, if you're measuring things like seat time versus accountability in terms of what they're learning, I think we're kind of missing the, the opportunity there, but, um, I, for me, it's I, – I wouldn't say that there's one thing that says, like, we're really missing the boat on this. I think one of the things that's – the only thing that we're missing the boat on when it comes to what's happening in schools is that nobody knows what happens in schools, so then they make up what happens in schools. And so then it – now everybody's playing this – you know, catch up game and not wanting to do anything new because the story of your school is already being told by somebody who went to school 25 years ago. So right, right. that's the only thing that I truly believe that we're missing on. Cause I think the first thing that we're doing is making incredible connections with kids. And when you make incredible connections with kids, then you can help them, you know, when you know them, then you can get to the place where you can help them move to whatever they're looking for, as opposed to what you think that they have to do.
0: So would that be aligned if you were going to give uh the the people listening to this an actionable step or something that they should do next that you believe would maybe make the biggest difference in taking that step towards preparing kids for the future? Um what like what what would that step be?
1: Well, they gotta own something. It can't just be compliance like, you know, um, you know, figure this it can't just be regurgitation of knowledge. I think the knowledge is important. And, and it needed and you have to do it, but give them choice in terms of how that knowledge is distributed in a way that's meaningful to them. Think about when you, when people talk about school, when kids come back and talk about school, they're not talking about what happened on a Tuesday at nine o'clock in second hour. They're talking about the conversation or the experience that they had with a teacher or with a, or with a principal or with a counselor or whatever that they, that was stuck into their, into their, into their memory. And if we could create enough of these moments for people where they're inspired to come and, and do their best work, then we have a better chance to have them you know, participating and doing them their best work when school is not as exciting as it is on other days. Cause there are days where there's a knowledge base that, ha- I mean, we're a learning we're institution for goodness sakes. Like our job is to help them learn and walk out, you know, knowing and understanding, you know, uh, you know, more than when they walked in. And sometimes the learning is hard and it's arduous and it's not all that exciting. It can't be, we can't be on stage all the time, but when we are, When we have that opportunity where we can inspire them and make sure that they know that they're heard and they're seen, then they're going to want to come back for the days that aren't as fun.
0: Back to the fact that you guys were named an Innovative District 2016-2017. What do you believe really lends itself to owning that title of, uh, of an Innovative District?
1: Well, they told us they, um, without question, it was with our professional growth model par- process, the passion projects for adults. That's why we were named an innovative district. And what ended up happening is like when the first year when we got named it, it, was because the, the, it was how we, you know, treated teachers in that process. The second year we got it was because now the kids were owning the same process that, that, that the teachers were.
0: That's cool. Well, I, I know that you're a really busy guy. Don't mean to keep you on much longer. So if there's one last thing that I could ask you. Um, absolutely whatever you need so so you are uh, again you're like I don't I really don't know how some people find the time like I don't know how you do your current job and everything else you're doing but I'm sure you have so many things you're working on but if you could just kind of tell me like what's your next big thing that you're uh, that you're working on right now
1: oh man well I guess that's pretty easy for me and that is that there are still people in the world that don't know where Fall Creek Wisconsin is and until (laughs) every person in the world knows where fall creek wisconsin is we will keep telling this story until they tell us not to so if you don't know about fall creek and you don't know the story of the crickets like you need to and if you don't
0: you're going to hear about it soon <laughs> i think that's very uh, very easy for you to say everybody now knows uh, go crickets right absolutely so that's all day. awesome <laughs> well i really appreciate your time thank you so much for sharing your insights today and spending uh, spending the amount of time that you did with me
1: I appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for having me on and telling a story and anything we can do to help out, we're here for. So have a great day and go Crickets. (laughs) Thank you.